And we welcome you into a Football Tuesday edition of the best podcast available, episode number 36. Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. And coming up on today's program, we continue to get to know our front office and coaching staffs and our chief of staff today as Callie Brownson uh, will join us. Kevin Stefanski's chief of staff, very, very busy person in this time during this pandemic and trying to orchestrate everything and coordinate everything all from afar. So we look forward to sitting down with her. Gribs, uh, you know, we, we have an episode today. We have an episode Thursday. Then we're going to be off for a couple weeks, catch our breath a little bit. Everybody's going to be out of the out of the building that was in the building. We're going to be out of the building. We've been out of the building. Who knows when we're going back in the building. Uh, but we'll get a few weeks off, and then the BPA will be back uh, around training camp when that is supposed to start. Supposed to start. We'll see what happens with that. Gribbs, I hope you had a good weekend. Uh, last week, the one thing we did not get to, uh, he talked the day that our podcast came out, and that was our head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Uh, takeaways from Coach as he wrapped up the Browns' virtual offseason program. Well, I think the first thing was I, I like that he admitted that even though it was all virtual, it, we, we see it every year, but when it gets near the end of the offseason program, guys are ready to be done. And I think he acknowledged that even in the virtual setting, you could tell guys are ready to get on with their vacation. And I think that's good. I mean, that, that shows that they were working hard uh, during this period. And I, I think the, the obvious thing that he acknowledged that I don't think a lot of fans understand is that this was longer than it usually is. And I, I think that they used that to their benefit in terms of what constraints they had on it. And it meant that they were able to do have a lot more meetings. And I think that, that that's something that they just don't get a ton of time with uh, in the spring typically. Obviously, you lose the benefits of getting these guys in the field. But uh, it does sound like, especially near the end of this program, when they really started to get a, a better grasp on the virtual thing and really – uh, found ways to really be engaging with the technology. I think they feel pretty good uh, about where the offense is at uh, or, or even the defense in, in general. Uh, it's just now going to be a matter of how do you implement these virtual things, which aren't going away. Even when you get into a training camp setting, you're going to have a mix and match of both. But obviously the on-field work is going to bring everyone together, but then you've got to plan for basically the rest of it to be like what you've doing, been doing during the spring. Yeah, I mean, outside of training camp, the actual practice or the walkthrough that normally happens, you know, before the practice, it either happens in the morning or depending on when you're going to practice, it could happen at the end of the day. Outside of those two things, everybody's going to be apart. And I know that they're changing our building up to reflect that and, you know, trying to figure out how to keep everybody at a safe distance outside of when they practice. Yeah, Stefanski threw out the idea of like potentially for your team meeting, you broadcast it into different parts of the, the building, which just seems so strange when you think about it, but it's just kind of the new reality uh, that you're dealing with, with having uh, a ton of people in, in a small space. Uh, I mean, you just got to be safe as much as possible. So uh, I think it's just one of these things, though, that we're going to be following all the way up until the, the day that these guys report, because uh, I just think the the technology, the the research is evolving, our knowledge is evolving, and just what implementations you can do. I think the testing is evolving. You're, you're, you're going to want to try to have the most efficient testing possible 
uh, to get to get this off the ground. And, you know, again, I've said this before, the more we talk about all the stuff that's going into place with these NFL teams who have unified leadership, uh, players having one kind of singular voice through their players union, I just I just wonder what is going on with college football because I, I just I mean this is a lot to work through from an NFL standpoint with with kind of two clear sides working together on a common goal with not limitless resources but a lot more resources than most colleges have it's it's just going to be interesting to see how colleges can can do this when when the NFL is really I wouldn't say struggling but they're you know they're working through all the fine points to to create the safest possible environment. I think some of the other takeaways from Coach, um, obviously something we, we know inside the building that maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, the rest of the media may or may not know, but just how, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb work together, you know, no one's got an agenda. Everybody wants – they're on the same page. They, just, they Both of them just want to win and they want to contribute to a winning football team. You know, I think everybody's worried about how many carries – Who's, you know, who's going to carry the ball, which, how many times and each week, who's going to get, the, who's going to be the primary ball handler or who, how are those roles going to be defined? But it definitely sounds like no one really in the building, and we've known this again, no one really has a problem with that right now inside that, inside that building. No, and I, I think that's a good approach to have. And we, we never really saw much frustration out of either of those, those guys last year. Uh, at, during the second half of the year, even during kind of the losing situations, and and that's where honestly that's where you get tested. I mean, because you're not you're not going to go 16 and 0, so you're going to have some times when you, you go in with a game plan and it features one player and it doesn't feature another player, and then you lose that game, and it's on that player who wasn't featured to not get to not get frustrated by it. Just because the team lost and you didn't get featured doesn't mean that there's an overall problem. I think it's about buying into the plan. And I think that that's kind of been what this spring has been about is selling these guys on the plan, on the offense, knowing that just because if you don't get featured one week, you're probably going to be up uh, next week. You just got to be ready when your opportunity presents itself. And, and the stuff we've heard from Kareem and, and Nick Chubb, I think there's some genuine excitement that they can make this work. Uh, with two really good running backs on top of two wide receivers, a pro bowl tight end. And, you've got a lot of people to feature and it's just impossible to get everyone involved in kind of a balanced way each week. So it's just about buying into the concept, seeing it work. Uh, and then knowing that it, even if one week did not feature you and the result wasn't the same, that, that you'll be back up next week with a chance to win and produce. Yeah. The other big note, obviously Odell Beckham Jr. Seems to be ready to go and will be ready for come training camp. Jarvis continues uh, his rehab and continues to make strides and things are looking good on that end. Uh, obviously the team going to take their time with them once we get into training camp, even though Odell is officially a full go. Uh, but he did say like, it was one of the big reasons why they brought Rashard Higgins back on that one year show me deal. And it was the chemistry he has with Baker Mayfield and the fact that Someone else is going to have to step up in that wide receiver room if, for whatever reason, Landry or, or Odell hit a speed bump here on the recovery. Yeah, and it, it was last year at training camp, it, it happened when you didn't want it to and that you really couldn't work in Odell and Jarvis as much as you wanted. And you ended up having guys on the first team that never really made the team even. I mean, Jalen Strong was with the first team for weeks and he, and he didn't even make it to the final cuts. And, uh, I mean, you so you've got like – 
now you know going into training camp, even though Odell's back to 100%, you're not just going to throw him out there and be like, you're, you're playing every rep here. I mean, and you know Jarvis is going to be limited uh, through, through camp or, or parts parts of camp. I mean, he's coming back from a serious injury. So now you've got a, a bunch of young guys that you're going to be working in, and I think it is good to have that one reliable guy back with Rashard Higgins, who, who has a relationship with Baker Mayfield. You also bring back Damian Ratley, who's, who's logged a couple good years from you. The key for him will be staying healthy during training camp. So uh, there will be big opportunities for these young guys right away uh, to contribute at that wide receiver position. But it is good to have – it's crazy to think this is Rashard Higgins' fifth year in the NFL coming up. I mean, he's, he's now a veteran. So, I mean, he, he's going to be the, old, the older guy in the room and the older guy getting reps out there. Yeah. Definitely something to watch as we get into training camp. A lot of being made about the linebacker spot and, you know, Jedrick Wills, can he, how quickly will he pick up the whole left tackle thing? But uh, that third wide receiver is going to be a pretty valuable component to this offense, especially if there's a hiccup, you know, God forbid, knock on wood uh, with the top two wide receivers on your football team. That's a look at what's happening with the Browns time now for our interview of the week. And it's a chance to sit down with Coach Stefanski's Chief of Staff, Callie Brownson, uh, a very impressive young lady uh, who's already accomplished a lot, Gribs, and someone that has a very bright future in this business and in, in this industry. And she's running things, and it wasn't so much a get-to-know because a lot has been made about her hiring, and we've gotten to know her, and she's awesome, and trust me, she is a – very cool person to talk to and hang out with, but just how she's had to handle things here in the last 15 weeks. Yeah, I'd, I'd say clearly the the thing that jumps out to you is how organized she is and, and how on top of things, uh, both with Stefanski and really the entire coaching staff in general, it's, it's just, it's such a huge job. And then for Stefanski, I think he's known how to maximize what she's doing because he's done it before. So I think just an incredible experience that she's getting. And I think will ultimately vault her on in, into what she ultimately wants to, to become uh, as a coach in the NFL. All right. With that, have a watch and have a listen. And here are the best podcasts available. This is our get to know segment of the week. And we've been getting to know a number of the assistant coaches, the front office. Now we get to know our chief of staff, Callie Brownson. Appreciate a few minutes of your time, Callie, and uh, welcome to Cleveland. I, I see that you are officially in your office uh, while Gribble's in his panic room, and I am behind – I, I got fruit behind me. That's where I'm at in life. So welcome to Cleveland. You're officially in the office, and how have things been going for you here during this really crazy time? Yeah, crazy is a is a good term for it. But uh, you know, it's it's good to be back in the office. It's definitely different. Uh, the atmosphere is a lot different than we left it, especially this time of year when this would be very busy for us. Coaches in and out, players in and out. Uh, it, it's a different world. But at the end of the day, when when all this happened, we we pledged that we were going to make the most of it and 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 get hard to work, and that's exactly what we've done. Kind of, if you can go back in, in time, and this is crazy because Jason and I talk about all the time is going back to like the combine when everything was felt normal, I guess, in, in the world. And then kind of take me through what it was like when it's getting near March 9th, March 10th, and it's looking like that things are going to maybe be a little bit different here for a while. What, what was it like in, in your world over there? Yeah, so it's funny you say combine because I'm walking from the hotel to Lucas Oil and I'm listening, I got my, ear, my AirPods in and I'm listening to a podcast. 
and they're talking about everything going on with COVID-19 and the coronavirus and all of this speculation of how it's going to spread. We were looking at things that were happening over in Europe and, and obviously in China and so forth. And I'm kind of like sitting there like, oh gosh, this might actually be something. And then of course, then, you know, from my perspective, from an operational standpoint, I'm already starting to be like, well, what, what are we going to do? Um, but again, it was kind of just like thinking ahead, not really thinking any of that stuff was going to, was going to actually affect us in the way that it has. And as the, you know, we got back and we're still in our mode post combine and, and doing the things that we need to do from a coaching staff perspective, evaluating these prospects every week that seemed to creep closer and closer. It was like this impending, like, this is real, like this is real and it's going to affect us in a big way. You started to see, uh, you know, major cities around the U.S. starting to shut down restaurants, retail stores and all that stuff. And it became extremely real. And for us, it was immediately straight to, you know, what are we going to do about it? Um, you know, and I sat down with coach and we said, if we have to run this offseason program in a way that's never been done in the history of the NFL, how are we going to do it? Not just how are we going to do it, but how are we going to do it better than 31 other teams? We're a new staff you know, first year head coach, we're trying to get our bearings. We made a lot of changes, obviously on the roster, a lot of new faces on the team, just in general, we had to find a way to be the most innovative team to do it virtually. Uh, and that was a challenge that I took very seriously. He took very seriously and our entire coaching staff took a lot of pride in, in facing that challenge head on. How differently do things look during the final week compared to week one, just from a virtual standpoint? I mean, just like everybody else, you know, we're all more comfortable uh, that first couple weeks, getting people on, getting people locked on, getting them comfortable with the different tools that we were using to go over installs and watch film. Um, it's almost like second nature now. You know, in the beginning, you're sending out a lot of messages, making sure everything is as clear as possible. And, um, you know, a credit to our players who really bought in early. They bought in super early. Um, and understood that this was the atmosphere. And, you know, I, I tell coach all the time, I, what a sense of pride we have in, in, the, in the guys that we have on this roster, especially because of how they treated this, this virtual offseason program and buying in. Um, and now it's like second nature to them. They're almost like, I know, I know how to do that, you know, um, which is great. And, and like I said, when you're putting a, a tough adverse situation like that, attitude is everything. And I would say that between our coaching staff and our players, the support staff, our IT video department, everybody had the best attitude possible to face the challenge of doing this better than anybody else really in the league. Kelly Brownson, our guest, the chief of staff for one, Kevin Stefanski uh, of the Cleveland Browns and so much more than that. So you're going through all these things, you're new to Cleveland, and then your coach, our head coach, is in Minnesota. He gets stranded there. What were the challenges of being his chief of staff when you can't see him except on a Zoom call? Yeah, and I, I think at face value, you look at those challenges like, you know, sitting down in a room with you, we can get a ton of stuff done and we can, you know, hammer out a bunch of these tasks. But, you know, I think nobody is a stranger to the fact that, you know, Coach DeFancy is a phenomenal communicator. And that helped me a ton. Um, I tried to, you know, step up, you know, level up basically in my communication to ensure that the time that we got was as productive as possible. Um, and, and, you know, he's a phenomenal leader. And, and how he's led uh, myself, how he's led this coaching staff, how he's led this team through the whole process and, and navigating a pretty difficult time, you know, he never seemed phased by it. And that was exactly what trickled down 
to everybody else is, is this is what it is. And, and we're going to make this as productive as possible. So if it's me getting in for 15 minutes on a zoom call to tackle what really could take an hour and a half, we got it done because that's just the way he operates. That's the way he communicates. And that's just the way he approaches those things. I know you guys are nearing the end of the virtual offseason program, but what are, what are some of the things you and, and coach are kind of walking through now uh, as training camp gets closer and closer? We're just preparing for every possible scenario we can. You know, we have to be ready to roll, much like what we did with the offseason program. Uh, we're going to get dealt a certain, you know, deck of cards, and we've got to be ready to roll. Um, and, again, we've got to be ready to roll as a new staff and, 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 and get things done, uh, you know, and make sure that our players are assimilating into, you know, not just the system but the culture, uh, getting them back in the building, hopefully, and, and doing those things. You know, we want to establish that culture that we've been trying to build all offseason program and now doing it in person when you actually do get to establish some of that rapport and do what you need to do. So what we're doing on the front end right now is just trying to prepare for absolutely any possible scenario that could come and make sure, you know, we're vetting every facet of those details to make sure we're being efficient. And most importantly, we're keeping our players and our coaches and our staff as safe as possible in that process is extremely important to us right now as well. And obviously the NFL is ultra competitive. Everyone wants to do things the best possible way in their own buildings. But is this such a unique situation where you are taking tips from other teams or, or trying to find out what they're doing and maybe picking up some of the best things, practices you've heard about, or is it still kind of you do your own thing and figure it out on your own? I think it's a mixture. I think, you know, like you said, this is a, a learn from each other kind of league. Um, I think we're all curious because all of our situations based off of facility setup and accessibility to fields, everybody's situation is a little bit different. You almost have to be unique and have some individuality in how you approach your strategy. But yeah, I mean, we're all trying to figure out how everybody else is going to do it and try and be most efficient. Um, and again, like the biggest part about it, I'll talk about winning football games and all that stuff because it's extremely important. But right now, more than anything, it's about, you know, who, who's coming up with the most innovative practices to keep everybody safe. Like, that's really what we want above all. Um, you know, nothing matters if we can't keep our players safe, if we can't keep our, our coaches safe and healthy. Um, those things are super important. So I would say there is a lot of talk um, and collaboration around the league on best safety practices as well. First full-time female coach in Division One history. Last season, an intern with the Buffalo Bills and uh, a plethora uh, of years either playing football or coaching with some of the best, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten as it pertains to this and, and eventually where you want to go in terms of coaching? You know, I, I heard this from my professor my senior year of, um, of undergrad, Charlie Casserly, actually, who's no stranger to the NFL, was actually my senior seminar professor at George Mason. And um, he – at the top of our every every day we had class, he would actually give us a, a detailed itinerary. Um, and at the top of it, always said, "What did you do today to help us win?" And in the beginning of the semester, that meant football games, right, or baseball games, or whatever it may be. At the end of the semester, he clarified on that message that winning is in the little moments. Winning is in being more efficient, finding ways to be more organized, helping coaches get more prepared. Winning is in finding that little detail, you know, that that spent that you spent two extra hours in the film room trying to find. Winning is in becoming a better communicator with your players and those things. And so that's my biggest piece of advice. And I actually have it plastered right next to my desk on a piece of paper. What did you, what did you do today to help us win? How did you add value? How did you make us a better organization, a better football team? How did you help coach, coach the 
Stefanski do his job better. Um, and I think when you have that attitude, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what that facet is, you're not only contributing, but you're growing. You're tasking yourself to grow and to get better. And, and that's really what uh, football has always been about for me, is adapting, growing. And, um, and that's kind of the way I approach every day. What's maybe the best bit of feedback you've gotten, though, since you took on this job? And what's maybe the best thing you heard from maybe some, some people who are, are, are aspiring to be in the, the position you're in now today? Um, I think one of the biggest things that, that I try to reflect as well is, is and, and I think we're doing a good job, and I want to talk for, you know, women across the league as well in this mm -hmm. regard. Um, one of the biggest things is, oh, wow, I, I – they – they accept you, you know, it's, it's almost like a seamless transition for you to be a part of the staff. I think there's such a perception outside of this as there's a female on staff and so forth. But again, you're brought on, you're hired to bring value and to bring something to the table. The second that you do, you know, your seat is at the table, period. And I think that's what I try to reflect all the time is this is not an abnormality. This is a great addition that can happen to organizations and teams. And I try to reflect that. And, and there's been a lot of great feedback. And I think that if I can continue to inspire women to not be intimidated or shy to chase after a dream or a goal like this, just understand that once you earn a seat at the table, you do have a seat at the table. You earned it. You're there. Keep growing. And, and, and it's, 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 it's really a great opportunity once you get there. I right. ask about your specific position. What's the, what's the one thing that's surprised you most about the, the chief of staff position? Um, you know, I knew coming into it, there'd be a lot of collaboration around the building. Um, I guess I didn't know how much and here we are. And I love it. Honestly, it's my favorite part, I would say. Um, I think sometimes football gets kind of cut in half. You have football and then you have the business side and all these things. And for me, um, especially in an organization like this, where it's what our ownership really believes in, it's cohesiveness. Uh, it's, been an, it's been a pleasure for me to be able to work across the board with everybody. You know, how can we make the Cleveland Browns better? Like, obviously, the job has its tasks of, uh, you know, how are we being a more efficient football team? How are we doing these things? But how are we making the organization better? How are we making the culture within our building better? That's been, to me, my favorite part is to get to know everybody around the building, to help contribute in a way um, that, that we're getting better as an organization every day. All right. You played safety. You played running back. You played slot wide receiver. What was the best position you played? I liked free safety the most. And that's controversial because I had fun doing everything I did. But there's something about playing safety and just getting to be an athlete, crack some heads, and, um, and make quarterbacks scared to throw deep on you. I loved that a lot. Uh, it was one of my favorite things. I learned a lot about the game of football playing that position just as a whole bigger picture. Um, and I just got to have fun. You know, wide receiver is fun. Uh, running back is a lot of fun. Returning kicks is a lot of fun. But I kind of liked being, uh, you know, let off the belt and ready to roll, you know, and just get to play football and have a little bit of fun. That was my – those are some of my favorite memories. Okay. Um, do you see yourself trending more toward the defensive side of the football, the offensive side? I know you did some special teams work in Buffalo as well. You know <sighs> – I love it all. And one of the things Coach Stefanski will tell you, and I couldn't agree more, is be as multifaceted as possible. And that's kind of my goal with everything. Uh, last year in Buffalo, I had a lot of special teams experience, and I was very offense-focused as well, which was great. I, the, the pass game stuff comes very naturally to me. It's very easy for me to absorb. And I got to grow a lot in run game, um, <clears throat> pass protection schemes, and so forth. So I grew a lot in that time there. And I want to make sure that I don't become very singular. Um, 
you know, Coach Stefanski says it all the time. He has so many stories of times where he was picking the brains of the defensive coaches in Minnesota, no matter what position he was coaching, didn't matter. He was finding a way to really make sure that he was doing the best he could to be as well-rounded and multifaceted as possible. That's my goal. So, um, you know, once things slow down, if things slow down, I'm looking forward to bouncing around a lot of meetings and, and understanding who we are through and through as an identity, special teams, offense, defense, whatever it may be. Um, you know, that's my goal over the next couple of years. Uh, how quickly did, do you have to get to know a coach when you take on the position of chief of staff? And, and how, how, how quickly is this relationship between you and, and coach just kind of had to take off because you guys are so intertwined in everything you do there? Yeah, very quickly. But I would venture to say, like, in our first few conversations, um, you know, we clicked pretty quickly. Uh, we saw a lot of things very similarly as it pertained to culture, as it pertained to kind of what this role was going to entail, especially his first year as a head coach. Um, you know, it was it was a pretty smooth transition for us to understand each other. Um, and we spent a lot of time, you know, around each other those first few weeks. There's no doubt about it. And at Combine as well. So, you know, it, it's not hard to to figure a lot of the different details about him. Um, but we talked very openly. Uh, he's always been extremely transparent with me about his, his envisionment uh, for this team, what he wants, again, from schematics all the way to culture. He's very transparent uh, because, you know, there are times where I kind of have to make sure that some of those visions are coming to fruition and, and we're moving in the right direction. So, uh, you know, as somebody who's done this job, he knew how important it was for us to be clear and on the same page with that so that I could help in, in whatever areas I could to make sure those things came true. And now just how much easier is it, or is it even easier at all that you guys are now in the same area, same, same building? I mean, how, how much does that change? It's great. <laughs> like I said, we made it work and <laughs> we did what we had to do and we made it work, but it is nice to be able to, uh, to actually talk in person and, and hammer out some of these to-do lists, you know, because as you can imagine, you sit here, you start a task, and you're like, I got to ask him this real quick. We got to figure out what we're going to do here. It's nice to be able to, to walk with my mask on <laughs> to his office and talk to him and, and hammer out these details and, and, and get rolling. So instead of having to say, I sent you a Zoom invite. Callie Bronson, the chief of staff for Kevin Stefanski. Appreciate a few minutes of your time. Enjoy a little downtime over the next few weeks. Now, by downtime, I mean you're probably working from vacation but uh, enjoy a few minutes and a few days of sunshine. And uh, we can't wait to all get back in the building. And, and hopefully in a month and change, we're all going to be taking part and getting ready for the 2020 regular season. Appreciate a few minutes. Continued success to you. And uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks to Callie Brownson for her time. And we hope that she's getting a little bit of downtime. As most of the coaches, it appears, Gribbs, uh, everybody's going to step away for a couple weeks, catch their breath, come back ready to go about mid-July, and come back ready to go for the 2020 season, no matter how long it may end up becoming. Yeah, and I think, I think these coaches will be – they'll check out a little bit, but I think their eyes and ears are going to be on the latest developments on, on what they might be doing, what, they, what, they, what they're going to be facing from a coaching standpoint. This isn't going to be a normal training camp. It's not going to be a normal season. So I think they're going to be paying attention to the latest developments and just seeing what all they're going to have to do to get ready uh, for this training camp that we hope is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and we can go back to normal in 2021. Yeah, it, it's going to be – Next week, uh, you know, a lot of us are on vacation. 
and by on vacation, we're hanging out in our backyards for yeah. lack of a better term. But, you know, knowing our luck and the way things have gone, we'll get some developments next week. Yeah. <laughs> we're off, but we're with an eye and an ear to what's going on around the league as hopefully we get some clarity in the next couple of weeks as to how we're going to approach things and how we're going to move forward uh, for the 2020 NFL season. Gribble, Cam Newton is a New England Patriot. Shocking development as we go around the league here. Um, the biggest question I have is, why did it take so long? Because it's not like you can get into their facility and have a physical and meet with their team docs and everything. But, and they waited essentially till their virtual offseason was over. So why did this take so long? You know, I really don't know. And I, I think it's, it is interesting because you basically miss all the virtual offseason. So yeah. I... I guess there was no real rush. If you, if you couldn't get him in for the final two weeks, maybe there wouldn't have been as much progress there. But, uh, I mean, it makes sense now to get them ready, get them ready and get a plan in place uh, for training camp. And, I, again, I just have a hard time believing that anyone other than Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. I, I just – I think he is so clearly the the best quarterback in that room, especially if he's if he's healthy and ready to go and – I'm excited. I mean, I think that they're I, – I bet, I bet Josh McDaniels is excited because I think there, there's – he's only 31 years old. You get him back in, 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 in healthy standing. I mean, this is a talented kind of a freak athlete at the position. And, uh, I mean, of course the Patriots got him. I mean, it's just, it just makes all sure. the sense in the world. And, I, I mean, I know there's some people who still say that Jared Stidham could be have – have still have a shot at winning this job. I mean, maybe he does. I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't bet on it. So I, I just, it, it's just, it, it's just going to be a different looking Patriots offense. But I mean, it, now I, 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 we have to go back and look at the tape between what me and Zagura talked about with the Buccaneers and Patriots, but I feel very good about siding with the Patriots in whatever we discussed, because I think that they're in great shape and I'll pick them to win the division again. Uh, really okay yes well, i'll put that in the folder for uh later this week when zagura rejoins us uh, i i just don't i don't know about the talent around him i i, I like i like sony michelle is he ever healthy can he stay healthy what's going on with that wide receiver core you know I, I, does he have the weapons around him to make him successful because i don't think the Cam Newton we saw early in his Carolina days is the same Cam Newton. Even at 31 in his, quote, prime, I, I worry that he – can he get the job done with that surrounding cast? You know, I, I can agree with that, but then I'm going back and looking at the receivers that he had in Carolina. And Cam Newton had a, had a really good season uh, in 2017. Uh, and, I mean, I'm looking at this receiving core, and it was Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, and Ed Dixon, and he had Christian McCaffrey. That's that's not all that much. I mean, those none of those receivers are still with the Panthers for for reasons. I mean, that go in in line with their production. Uh, and I just I think the Cam has not exactly been flush with Pro Bowl talent around him outside of Greg Olson. So I, I just think that I, I I just I put faith in the Patriots system to figure out a way to to get the most out of him, and they figured out a way that maybe the Panthers couldn't when the, when Newton was dealing with those shoulder issues that, you know, when Tom Brady lost a few yards on his deep ball, they figured out ways to, to maximize what he could do uh, and, and still ran a pretty efficient offense. So I, I just, again, it just feels so Patriots to, 
to get a, a, a former MVP of on course. a minimum deal. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I shook my head at the signing and that is a, a seal of approval for, for what they're doing. Yes. I mean, that's, it, 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 and if it blows up in their face, it blows up in their face. They end up with a high draft pick. Yeah. I mean, that's it. it the worst case scenario goal. is Jared Siddham's your starting quarterback, which is what people thought was the plan for the last three months. Yeah, exactly. And if he's good, great. If he's bad, well, it's a pretty big quarterback class coming out next year, and you could have a top 10 pick if he's bad. If and this is a Patriots team that still has a defensive player of the year on their team, Stephon Gilmore. They're going to be really good on defense again. Like, I, I just – I can't – put the bills in the throne of the afc east until they, they until they slay the beast that is the patriots i just can't yeah. do it no i uh I, I i can agree with you on that will zagura that's to be determined we'll see I, I i look forward to that debate coming up on thursday we want to thank callie brownson for her time and we wish her continued success as she moves up the ladder in the national football league and uh, just a great person, and we think big things are ahead for her. And but we're happy to have her right now <laughs> on her yeah. staff. On her talk March. about a resume booster this year has been for her. Yeah, I mean to say you were the basically the organizer of all this during. I mean that's. I mean she's she's handled it so well, and I think Stefanski has has talked about that a lot, and just the kind of the communication, the adaptation to all the technology. I mean this was. This was something that she, you, you maybe saw coming a week in advance, but then when it's there, all of a sudden it was you had to hurry up and, and get, get organized, and, and, and she's done a heck of a job with it. She has. She has. And props to her and, and all the coaches uh, that have worked through this and the players that have been a part of the virtual offseason. We'll do our virtual offseason awards as we wrap up the offseason best podcast available coming your way Thursday as the girl will join Gribble and myself. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work as always. Thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. You can also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash browns. We will talk to you again on Thursday. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.